All right, thanks, gang. Pastor Steve and the Barons. And our littles can meet right over here by the tent. You guys can go to your class just as you guys are making your way there. Just so you know where we're at. I'm so thankful to the Lord. We had been praying that we wouldn't get rained out today. Thank you for coming. If you are here with us, thanks for joining us. We had some of the umbrellas lifting off a little bit earlier before everybody got here. So we kind of closed them up. But if you feel like you need them, please feel free to open them up. Uh, Hopefully it'll not be a problem. I keep looking over there. It's looking a little dark. I don't know if it rains. We do what we can do, right? So thanks for for being here with us. Thanks for praying that uh, we wouldn't have rain today. I need to let you know about something that I think is very cool that's going on at Blue Water. Um, We have a tremendous opportunity to be a part of a church plant right here in Sarnia. And we are super duper excited about this. There is a young uh, guy who has been a pastor in the area, youth pastor in the area for a number of years. His name is Matt Clever. And uh, he became a, uh, so through Feb Central, the the central region of the fellowship, which is the group of churches to which we belong, he was accepted as a a church planter in Sarnia. And we have the opportunity to be a, a point church for, uh, for that church plant. So Matt and his family are going to be worshiping with us. We're going to be kind of, the way that it's going to work is we're going to be bringing him on staff here at Blue Water in September, and he's going to be starting to work on that church plant. And uh, there will be, I'm, I'm sure there will be a lot of questions that people will have, and we will have a lot of answers and more details about all that as time goes on. Just wanted to kind of get the word out that we are going to be part of this church plant. It is super duper exciting. This summer, we have been tracing through the story of how God brought the Israelites up out of their captivity in Egypt and brought them to the promised land. Uh, and, And we mentioned previously, but I just want to reiterate that one of the things that is interesting is that throughout the scripture, God uses this event, the event of the Israelites being brought out of their captivity through the wilderness to the promised land. He uses this as a picture, as a microcosm of how he saves his people, of how he saves us. So he redeems us out of our captivity to sin and and brings us to uh, the promised land, which, uh, you know, for us is eternity with Jesus. So this, this event, this, the exodus, is a, is a picture of how God works in every single one of us. And if you remember in previous weeks, what we saw is that God, through his power, uh, kind of broke Pharaoh. He did not want to let the people of Israel go. They were in slavery, and he, he got through his power, the, through the ten plagues, broke Pharaoh to the point where Pharaoh finally said, go, get out, you need to leave. And so we saw last week the children of Israel left. And this is where we're going to pick up the story. If you have your copy of God's Word, which I hope you do, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 17. And this uh, sermon is one of, the, like, we, we always hope that you have your own copy of God's word, but it's going to be especially important this morning as we walk through uh, a whole section of scripture together. Exodus chapter uh, 13, starting in verse 17, here's what it says. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, and the Philistines were the, the people who would be kind of their sworn enemies for generations to come. So he didn't lead them through the Philistine country, though it was shorter, For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. 
So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. And it's so interesting to me that, that God led them out of Egypt and they went up out of Egypt. The slave nation went up out of Egypt, but they went ready for battle. And it's interesting that even though they thought they were ready, God knew that they weren't. Even though they thought they were ready, God knew that they weren't. Now, how did they get through the wilderness? Did they have some sort of divine GPS? Actually, yes. We won't take time to read the passage. You can read it on your own. But uh, in verse 22 and 23 specifically, we see that there was actually a, a, a pillar. In the day, it was a pillar of cloud. And at night, it was a pillar of fire. And the, the pillar stayed in front of them. And when it moved, they moved with it. And when it stopped, they stopped. As a matter of fact, when it was nighttime, the, the fire lit up the surrounding countryside so that they could see, so they could travel by either day or night. Really super interesting. And what this was, was a tangible reminder that through all that they were going through, even through their wandering in the wilderness, God was with them. God was with them. Let's bounce, bounce down to chapter 14, verse 5. 14, verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them. And they said, what have we done? We've, left the Isra we've let the Israelites go and have lost their services. In other words, we lost our slave, our slave population. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near a place that's opposite another place. You can try and pronounce those words if you want. So God had broken Pharaoh's will through great demonstrations of his power. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for war. And then Pharaoh and all of the forces of Egypt, which remember, Egypt was the superpower in the world at that time. The world had not seen military might like Egypt in the history of the world up until that point. So here we have the slave nation that has come up out of Egypt ready for war and the greatest superpower in the world up until that point, militarily speaking, hot on their heels. And the Israelites had seen God's great power. They had seen God at work. But the implicit uh, question in the text and the question for us is, would they trust the Lord? They'd seen his power. Would they trust the Lord? Let's pick it up in verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Wow, that's a bit of a change of heart. 
And truthfully, it's easy for us to, with the benefit of hindsight, it's easy for us to look back with judgment and say, oh, how could they have, you know, they saw what God was doing. How could they have, uh, uh, you know, uh, been so blind? How could they have forgotten what God was up to? Isn't that crazy? But again, with the benefit of hindsight, it's easy for us to think like that. The real question for us, though, is listen, we have all seen God's goodness in our lives. We, every single one of us, God has poured out grace upon grace and favor upon favor to us. Have we turned and shaken our fist at God? Have we ever run up against something that was difficult and challenging and cried out to God, God, why have you allowed this to happen? We need to be looking at ourselves. So how is Moses going to respond to this? Look at verse 13. Moses answered the people, and by the way, I really do think that uh, there is someone here this morning who, who needs to hear this. There's someone here this morning that this is for you. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance of the Lord, uh, the, the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. So understand what's going on here. The Israelites had followed Moses up out of Egypt, out of their uh, slavery. They'd followed him through the wilderness to the, the point. They could have gone one way, which would get them to the promised land more quickly, but they're kind of wandering in the wilderness. They get to the point where they're trapped between the devil and the deep blue sea, deep red sea, if you follow me. Here they are, nowhere to go, and here comes Pharaoh's army. Have you ever felt trapped in a spot like that? Have you ever felt like you'd followed the Lord and it just seemed like, man, Lord, like I've, I've held up my part of the deal here, but you've, you've brought me to this point and now there's nowhere to go. You've brought me to this point and now what? You're going to let me go? Have you ever felt like that? Maybe it's a relationship, someone that you put your trust in, someone who you thought you could trust and should have not betrayed you and yet they did betray you. Maybe it's your health and you got that call from the doctor that no one wants to get and now you know that nothing's ever gonna be the same. Maybe it's your employment where you gave your best, the, the best years of your life, you, you gave them to that company and then they just cut you loose. And now what? No one's hiring in your field. Now what? Maybe it's something else. When we find ourselves in these situations where we feel that we are trapped between the devil and the deep blue sea, we feel that we're trapped and there's no way out and, and we follow the Lord and now what? What do we do? I'm not usually the, the 
preacher guy who uh, does the how-to sermons. I, I don't usually have a whole lot of how-tos in my sermon, but, but uh, we got four how-tos. We got uh, four lessons that, that we can take away from this. And if you're a note-taking type of person, I hope you jot this down. Uh, the, there's blanks in the uh, sermon notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Maybe even write it in the back of your Bible. Whether or not it's helpful for you now, I think at some point it will be. First, here's the first thing that we need to do. When we feel trapped between the devil and the deep blue sea, the first thing we need to do is we need to remember that this is not God's plan B. Now, when we get hit sideways out, uh, you know, out of the blue by one of these difficult events that, that is just so, so hard, in the moment when the pressure's on, when Pharaoh's army is coming over the crest of the hill, it's really hard to, to remind ourselves of this. So that's why we need to decide now Decide now how you're going to respond then. When the, the day of difficulty comes, when the day of trouble comes, decide now how you're going to respond then. Remember, this is not God's plan B. You can trust the Lord. This is not God's plan B. You can trust the Lord. Second, after you've made your decision to trust the Lord, Decide to act out of what you know to be true about God. So first, remember, this is not God's plan B. Trust the Lord. Second, decide to act out of what you know to be true about God. What do we know to be true about God? We know he is faithful. We know that even though there seems to be no way out, deliverance will come. It may not come in the way that we want. It may not come in the way that we like. But God is a faithful God. Deliverance will come. We know that we are not alone. We are not left alone. Decide to act out of what you know to be true about God. The temptation is something difficult happens, things go pear-shaped and we shake our fist at God. The temptation is Okay, God, I, I tried to do things your way. Now I'm going to take things into my own hands. I tried your way. C clearly your way didn't work. Now we're going this direction. I'm in charge now. That's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. And I think we've probably all done it. And we can all attest <laughs> to what a bad idea that is. Understand that what God is up to in those moments those really, really challenging, difficult moments, what God is up to, we talked about this last week, he's, he's shattering our idols. He's breaking our idols so that we can trust in him. And it's hard and no one wants it to be true. No one wants that to happen. We wouldn't wish it on anyone. But the Christian God is a God who's not afraid to take his people, to take his children into a really difficult, really painful place if the result of that is a good thing. If the result of that is that their idols get torn down and we turn and worship the Lord. Now, I hear a lot of Christians, I hear a lot of preacher guys say a lot of things about God that aren't even really true about the Christian God, as if God's whole thing is that he's just trying, he's working as hard as he can to make my thing a little bit better today. That's not the Christian God. The Christian God is not afraid to take us to these difficult spots where it seems like there's no way out. 
He's not afraid to apply the pain to us if it results in a better thing. First, remember that this is not God's plan B. We can trust the Lord. Second, decide to act out of what we know to be true about God. Third, the third thing that we need to do is actually take that step of faith. Take the step out in faith and follow the Lord. Even if it seems crazy. Even if it breaks our heart. Remember, decide, and then act. Step out in faith and follow the Lord. Remember what Moses said to the Israelites? The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. So how did this go? What happened for the Israelites? Look at verse 19, chapter 14, verse 19. Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so that neither went near the other all night. So the battle lines are, are drawn, they're getting ready to face off, and the cloud moves behind and separates them. Darkness on one side and light on the other. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right side and on their left. The Israelites pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire at the cloud and, and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak, the sea went back into its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Now, as we mentioned at the beginning, remember that throughout scripture, God is going to use this event in order to, uh, as a picture or as a microcosm of how he saves his people, of how he saves us. So he leads us, he tears down our idols, he saves us from our slavery to sin when we believe in him by faith. The problem, of course, is that just like those Israelites, it's really hard for us to see our idols get crushed. It is really painful for us when our idols get crushed. It's really hard for us to walk away from our sin, even though we know our sin is killing us. 
In other words, when God saves us, he saves us kicking and screaming. <laughs> he saves us, as it were, against our will. Can I be honest for a minute? Is it okay if the pastor guy gets honest for, for a few minutes in church? There have been times when, it's been lots of times, when I have um, been too quick to flee back to the sin from which I've been saved, even though I knew it was killing me. There have been times when I've been too quick to run back to the sin I'd been saved from. As I've grown in the Lord, though, I have come to grudgingly appreciate those times where I feel trapped. I've come to grudgingly appreciate those times when, when there's nowhere to go and Pharaoh's army's coming over the ridge. Now, don't hear me as saying I like it, because I don't. But I've come to grudgingly appreciate it because I know that God is at work in me. He's tearing down, he's, he's stripping away the, the things that I've trusted in that aren't him. So remember, number one, this is not God's plan B. You can trust the Lord. Number two, act out of what you know to be true about God. Make that decision. Decide to act out of what you know to be true about God. Thirdly, step out in faith and follow the Lord, even if it seems crazy, even if it makes no sense, even if it breaks your heart. Step out in faith and follow the Lord. And finally, fourthly, once you are on the other side, look back and worship. Once you're on the other side, once you see the deliverance of the Lord, look back and worship. Sing a song. Write a song. A song of praise to God. And this is exactly what the Hebrews did in if you look with me at chapter 15, starting in verse 1, this is the song that they sang to God. I'm going to read this whole thing. It'll take a minute. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him. My father's God. I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. So Pastor Andy, I, we haven't, I don't know if I've ever sung a, a worship song that says the Lord is a warrior. Now, you know, I have a wonderful plan for your life. Get on that. Let's write us a, write us a worship song. that says the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his armor he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. Uh, that's, what, what a great word, congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. 
I will take over them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them by the power of your arm. They will be as still as stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you brought, you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. Have you ever been in, in that spot where you felt trapped? Nowhere to go and here comes Pharaoh's army. Have you ever felt like that? In just a second, Pastor Andy's going to lead us in, in a song. And uh, if you've ever been in that spot and if you've seen the deliverance of the Lord, just like these ancient Hebrews had, I want you to sing the song with glad hearts. Sing with joy because of the deliverance that God has brought you. If you're in the place right now where you haven't seen the deliverance of the Lord yet, you feel trapped and you, you like, there's the Red Sea and where do you go? Where do you turn? There's nowhere to look. God, are you going to be faithful? I'm going to invite you to sing this song by faith. Sing the song believing that God is who he says he is and he's going to do exactly what he said he will do. Sing this song, but sing it by faith. Maybe you're here this morning and you have not yet experienced that really difficult hard spot and everything we've talked about has been a little bit alien to you this morning. You're, maybe you're, you, know, you believe in, in, in Jesus and he has saved you from your sins, but you're kind of wandering in the wilderness and following the, cloud of, uh, the pillar of cloud and fire and you haven't got to that spot yet. I'm going to invite you to sing. In faith, making the decision that when, not if, but when you get to that spot, when you get to that really, really hard spot, that you're going to do the things we talked about today. Believe that this is not God's plan B. Decide to act out of what you know to be true about God. Step out in faith and follow him. And then when that happens, turn around and say, so I'm going to ask you to sing in faith for when that moment happens. And the last group I want to address is you. Uh, there are people here this morning, I believe. And the reality is that um, you haven't believed in Jesus yet. You're still in, in Egypt. You haven't been redeemed out of slavery to sin yet. And if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to sing this song about how great God is about his great faithfulness and sing it by faith. And if you would like to know more about what it means, about what it is to follow Jesus, 
please come and talk to me afterwards. I would love to talk to, to you if you're either listening online or on the radio or on TV or what have you. Please send me an email, tim at bluewaterbaptist.ca. I would love to talk to you more about what it is to be a Christian, to give your life to him and to follow him. So Lord God, because of your great faithfulness, not because of anything good that's in us, because of your greatness and your glory, we can be here, we can sing, we can praise you. We give you all the credit. Lord, I pray that you would help us this week to continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. It's to him that we give all glory, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Friends, thank you so much for coming today. You are loved. Have a great day.